Good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome home. We are so glad that you are here today. Um, some exciting things that we've got planned today. Uh, we are dedicating two babies in the 1130 service, and we've got a great big celebration afterwards for all the volunteers that helped with the, uh, with the Don't Miss Sunday. Um, some exciting things as well to celebrate in the last few weeks. We set a goal to see 200 people come to know Christ in the next five years, and that number is down to 187 because we've had 13 people uh, come to know Christ in the last few weeks. Last Sunday night alone uh, at the homestead, we had 12 college students come to know Christ last week, and we had one from our service here as well. Let's give God a hand. That is awesome. That is awesome. And so we celebrate what God is doing in people's lives, and we celebrate just being together today. We are closing out a series called Do Something When God Picks You. What we've been talking about in this series is that God wants us to do something so that he can get the glory for it. So when God calls us to to start a business, or God calls us to talk to somebody at our school about Jesus, or God calls us to bring cookies to our neighbor, or God calls us to to take a foster child into our house, or we feel God call us to sponsor a child to go to camp, or God calls us to go to Columbus with the church that we're going to be starting there. I mean, whatever it is that God's calling you and I to do, the reason that he calls us to do those things is not so the church can pat themselves on the back, not so you could pat yourself on the back, but so that we can all give God glory. And that's what we've been saying through this series is that God uses our burdens to do something about that thing that won't let us sleep at night for the purpose of giving God glory. So whatever God's been calling you to or calling you through, the purpose of that is to bring God glory. That's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. We've been in the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is a story of him restoring the walls of Jerusalem through Nehemiah. What takes place in this story is, is that there are some people that have been exiled from their homeland. They're called Israelites in the Old Testament. And they are living in a, in a foreign city called Babylon. Um, I've actually been in Costa Rica for a week or two on mission trips and Dominican Republic. And my wife went to Taiwan on a church uh, or a trip for the school. And many of you have done the same. You've been different places, maybe on vacation or for work. And so you kind of know what it's like to be in a foreign land. But imagine that's where you lived. Some of you have lived in those places for an extended amount of time, but most of us probably have just visited those places. But imagine being somewhere foreign to your home and getting word from your homeland that things are devastating. Many of us remember where we were when the tornado hit Joplin not all that long ago. And some of us took trips over there, not just to go to Joplin, but maybe to serve. And you saw the devastation that was there. That's what happened to Nehemiah. Some people come back and they give him a report and they say, man, our home is, is in bad shape. The walls of Jerusalem, they're, they're in rubble. And remember, our wall, the walls were what created safety and protection and, and it kept enemies out. It was, it was everything to a city. And now Nehemiah's homeland walls are, are in ruins and 
They're in rubble, and he's just destroyed the same way you or I would be. And he begins to, to weep and to mourn. We were in Houston, Texas when, uh, for NYC several years ago when I was a youth pastor, and uh, I went downstairs, a conference part was over, and we were getting ready to go do some stuff, some fun stuff um, in Houston. And my wife is sitting on the floor next to the hotel room that we were staying in, and she's sobbing. And I said, what happened? She said, two of my high school friends were killed in a car accident last night. And some of you know exactly what that's like. I mean, this news that just changes you forever, right? And for us in 2018, hearing about some silly wall 2,000 and some years ago, it doesn't really maybe impact us, so let me just make it real. The day you got devastating news about something. It's not just a wall. It was the city. Nehemiah begins to weep and to mourn and to wail and to cry out and lament. And he begins to remember that the main reason that this has taken place is because all the people had forgotten who God was and God got tired of it. And he began to allow people to just go in and exile them out of their homeland and now destroy their city. And he has this burden. God uses burdens, right? Conflict creates change. When you come to a crossroads, it's either going to make you better or bitter. But it's not going to stay the same. And Nehemiah's burden doesn't make him bitter. It makes him better. And he begins to pray and say, God, I know why this has happened It's because of our sin. It's because of our idols. It's because we've again forgotten the one true love, which is you. And he repents, and he repents on behalf of the people. And then he prays to God, and he says, Give me favor with the king of the city that we're living in now. Would you put it on his heart to give me permission to go back? And so he goes to the king, and the king sees him all sad and says, What's wrong? And Nehemiah tells him, and he says, Well, how can I help? And he says, Let me go back. And would you write some letters? Would you write a letter that as I travel back that people wouldn't kill me? Would you send some letters that I need timber for the wall and timber to build a house? And the king goes, yeah, sure. Because God was with him after he had repented. And, and so Nehemiah begins to, to travel back and, and he's sent back to the city. And at some point while he's there in the middle of the night, he inspects the devastation. I'd heard about Joplin, right? May 22nd. I believe it was 2011 or 12. Does anybody know? 11 or 12, somewhere in there. 2011. We were at a teen graduation party that night in this gym for some students who were graduating from high school. And they said this bad storm was coming in. And then all of a sudden we started getting reports that this tornado had ripped through Home Depot and all these different things. I remember where I was, but I remember driving into the town, getting close to 20th Street where that thing went through and seeing it. There's a difference between hearing about it and seeing it. 
and seeing the tears and smelling the gas in the air and looking for someone who's under the rubble, calling out their name. My brother actually went the night before when it happened and actually were looking for people. Nehemiah's there at 3.30 in the morning and he's seeing this rubble. And as I read about it, it actually, the size of the wall, it would take a day to walk around it. So like Fort Scott's like 26 miles away. I can't jog that far. Maybe some of you can. But most of us who are able to walk could probably walk that in a day-ish. I mean, imagine a wall that's that big. And he's just broken. I heard a story of a guy whose wife left him and he came home and she'd cleaned out the whole house and all that was left there was a recliner. Walking into a house and there's nothing there but a chair. Hearing the doctor say, the cancer's back. Hearing, I'm filing for divorce tomorrow. Devastation. It's at the low point. He has a burden. He's been sent. And God does something inside of him and he allows him to stop focusing on the rubble and start focusing on the rebuild. And he rallies some people around him and they start to rebuild this wall and they face all kinds of obstacles and oppression and and people that don't want him to finish it. And he ends up continuing to work on it and, and... in fact, it gets so bad that the people start conspiring to kill him so that the, that the wall will stop being built. So Nehemiah says, all right, half the workforce, stop working. Get your weapons and you're going to stand guard in case someone tries to hurt the ones that are working on the wall. So while half work on the wall, half are standing guard and they complete the wall. And there's this crisis moment. You know that crisis moment where you decide, I'm going to marry him or I'm going to marry her. That crisis moment where you decide she died or he died or they died and I hate it, but I've got to breathe again. That crisis moment where you say, this debt's not going to swallow me up. I'm going to do something about it. That crisis moment where you are going to stop being a victim and start living. There's these crisis moments in life. They either make us bitter or they make us better. But that this time in Nehemiah's life where he says, I'm not coming down off this wall. God has given me a great work to do. And it's at that moment that Nehemiah is resolved in his spirit and he keeps working and he keeps working. And this wall that it would take a, a whole day to walk around, it's completed in 52 days. I mean, this wall is completed in 52 days. And what's taken place is all, all Nehemiah's enemies and the enemies of Israel that have been trying to get Nehemiah to stop working, they become scared and they become embarrassed. And remember earlier when I said that when God calls us to do something, He calls us to do something so He can get the glory. When this wall's finished and everybody's done being scared and embarrassed, they all realize this work had been done with the help of our God. In other words, what's happened here is no one's standing around saying, Nehemiah did it. No one's standing around saying, the people did it. No one's standing around saying, we all did it. They're realizing God did it. 
I share that with you today because in our lives, God wants to do something in you so that you can not be rubble anymore. You can, you can be a restored wall. I, I shared with this, uh, Brian and Steve earlier this week, I said, I wish I could find a, a pile of rubble and put it on the stage on this side. And I wish I could get a hold of a mason and have them build me a, a, a little brick wall here. Because over here you got rubble, over here you got rebuild. Over here you got rubble, over here you got restoration. Over here you got devastation. And over here you've got the day of dedication. See, in just 52 days, it goes from rubble to rebuild. How does that happen? Pastor Garrett, all the time when we'll celebrate something on text to each other, he'll always reply, the Lord. Say that with me. How does 52 days happen when it takes a, a day to walk around it? The Lord. 52 days is the fruit of God's blueprints. When we don't follow God's blueprints, 52 days can become 52 years. Most of us at times, we can spend our lives doing something and building the wrong wall. They say that people are open to God and open to church and open to rehab when they're having a help, when they need help, when they have a habit, or they have a hurt. If someone's at an intersection where they need help, they have a habit, or they have a hurt. They need help, they have a habit, or they have a hurt. They're open to coming to church, they're open to rehab, they're open to listening. Because they're realizing during that help, habit, and hurt, they've been building the wrong wall. My wife teases me because sometimes I have ADD and I don't like listening, you know, watching, trying to put together something with a lot of detail stuff. Steve, who's on staff here, he put together this desk and it was like in four million pieces when he started. And he goes, this is so fun. And I'm like, this is like maddening to me. And a lot of times when I was trying to put something together, like Noah's crib when he was little and Whitney goes, aren't you going to use the manual or the directions? I'm like, no, not that hard. I can figure it out. And then when I got done, I had a lot of screws left and that part, they must have sent the wrong part. And I don't think that bed needs all those things. And I quickly realized that I'd built the wrong thing and I needed to start over and rebuild it according to the instructions. But when we follow God's game plan for our life and God's blueprint for our life, 52 days is the fruit of it. So the question for us today, and that really the, to check today, is to make sure we're using God's blueprints. And what's so cool about God 
is in our minds we do the math and we're saying to take the rubble, the debt, the broken marriage. I mean, I've been married four times or I've been addicted to drugs forever or, or, or I'm struggling with something that's defined my life. If I do the math, being restored and, and redeemed and, and rebuilt is it's not possible let alone possible in a short amount of time. But when we follow God's blueprints, it doesn't matter how long this mess has been going on. God can restore. There's scars. All of us have seen a mosaic before where you take broken pieces and you make something out of it. Pastor Jim all the time says, God doesn't waste pain and he takes the rubble because the rubble represents what you did what they did to you or more importantly it's probably a mixture of both and he makes this beautiful redeemed mosaic that God can use so are you using God's blueprints for your life or using your own 52 days later go by, and however long after those 52 days, it's time for not only the wall is rebuilt, but it's dedication day. And people that were in exile, they've made their way back. Not all of them are back, but a lot of them have made their way back to to Jerusalem from Babylon, and and they invite these Levites who, who can sing now. I don't know if it was... Bethel or Elevation Worship or the Happy Goodmans or the Gaither Band or I don't know, like a combination of different types of people. But there's like this celebration. I don't know if they passed out save the date cards that people put on their fridges. But they were to all take part in this joyous occasion with songs of thanksgiving. I mean, the rubble is, is, is lament, is songs of, of sorrow. Is, it's not singing, it's crying. It's not, you know, restoring. It's, it's wailing. And, and 52 days plus later, they're singing songs of thanksgiving with cymbals and harps and lyras. And Nehemiah says, I even led... I led the leaders of Judah to the top of the rubble. No, rubble, no. To the top of the wall and organized two large choirs to give thanks. It's the after photo on the subway commercial or, or, or biggest loser. It, it's, it's the amount of weight they lost in however long on the show. It, it's the after photo. I mean, you have here from devastation... To dedication in 52 days plus. I got to thinking about that. Because in our lives, we have devastation. We have those things that cause us to not want to be here. Because we're reminded of how whatever... Or they cause other people to not want to be here. Or they cause us to not even want to be anywhere. In your life, you've either had a phone call, or or you've experienced something, or you are experiencing something, or if we live long enough, 
we will experience something that represents devastation, that represents rubble, that represents torn down. But when we, check this, when we begin to, maybe we haven't moved past the rubble, but we begin to stop romanticizing the rubble. We begin to stop thinking like rubble. We begin to stop seeing that, that, that there's not just rubble. We, we don't really take a step yet, but we let God with, with Him in our heart, we begin to turn and we begin to say, God, could you use the rubble? And God begins to paint not rubble, but rebuilt. And that's what was happening to Nehemiah. And if we were to look back and we were to interview Nehemiah, Oprah Winfrey style, where she's sitting up here and he's sitting up here and she said, now tell me, how did it happen? He would say, you can't see dedication day if you can't move past the devastation days. You can't see the choir on top of the wall. You can't see the wall built. You can't see the people returning. You can't see God's plan unfolding if your mindset is focused on the rubble. Paul says, be transformed by getting saved at camp. No. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the, so the, the action step with that today is simply this. Gaze at what can be and glance at what's currently. Say that with me. Gaze at what can be and glance at what's currently. You're not stupid. There's a pile of rubble. You can't say, well, I want to be debt-free, so I'm not going to pay these bills. You've got to pay those bills. You've got to glance at them. You've got to understand what's going on. There's rubble here. But the Lord, as He comes into your heart and He comes into your life and He, and, and he begins to, to work on you, you begin to stop gazing at what is and you begin to say, there's more for me to do. There's more that God wants to do. There, there's, there's something that God could take and use out of this flea market, out of this rubble mess, out of this garage sale, out of this run-down building. There's something that God could do with it for His glory if I would just give Him my life. God wants to do something with the rubble. Of your life and the people's life that aren't here. And the drug addict underneath the 23rd overpass that's passed out this morning, and the people of Columbus and the surrounding area who are gazing at what's currently, not at what can be. Sometimes doing something means to saying to God, I'm done doing what I'm doing. I'm done building my wall. I'm going to start building God's wall. The doing something sometimes is to say, despite the fact that, that no one's doing anything about it, my do something is a prayer that says, God, send me, as Nehemiah prayed. Sometimes the doing something is you're in the middle of trying to let God take the rubble. 
and make it a wall. And you're doing something is to trust God's timing and to not try to nag your spouse or try to try to nag that person to come to know Jesus. Your job in doing something is to pray that God would nag, that God would build, that God would restore. Your your job and, and my job sometimes doing something is in the middle of trying to do what God's calling us to do when people are saying it won't work, you didn't hear from God, we want to kill you, we want you to come down and talk about this. Maybe you're like Nehemiah in the third week, which Adam did a great job with that, and you look at them and you say, I'm not coming down. I'm not listening to this. I am in the middle of a great work and I am not coming down. Because I see the wall completed. I see the purpose for my son who's an alcoholic, that he hasn't come to the Lord yet. I see life after my divorce. I see life after my addiction or their addiction. I am not coming down off the wall. David had an affair. We don't talk about the affair a whole lot in children's church. We talk about the killing a Goliath in children's church. But David had an affair. He was in mourning. Nathan the prophet comes to him and explains that his sin has caused consequences. David's life was was a wall, but it was also rubble. And yet God uses David and, and God, Dave, or God calls David a man after his own heart. Jesus tells this story about this woman who's caught in the act of adultery. She was taken from the sheets and thrown in Jesus' feet. She's not, she doesn't have any clothes on. All her accusers are around her. Her life is rubble. David's life is rubble. Your life has been rubble or it will be rubble at one point. And David says, you have turned my rubble into joyful dancing because I don't look at rubble anymore. I may live in rubble, but I don't see rubble. I see redeemed. I see rebuilt. I see dedication day. That's what Jesus can do in your heart. And you have taken my clothes of mourning. Back then they would wear this they just dressed how they feel, right? And some of us still do that. But they would pull something over their head and they would just be in this mourning You've taken my clothes of mourning and clothed me with what? Joy. That I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks until this wears off. No. Forever. See, when you let God do something in you, he will do something remarkable through you. You don't see remarkable through you if you can't get past what happened to you. See, part of what God does in us us, is helping us to see we are not defined by the rubble that we created or other people created or A, B, and C. Sometimes we can be full of pride I'm the one that took the rubble to build. Or the other side of it, all my life is is rubble. I just need to end my life. I mean, those are the two extremes. 
But when we humbly take, take one foot out of the rubble, see, when we got one foot in the rubble and one foot in the rebuilt, this is good. This is worth your price of admission this morning. When you got one foot in the rubble and one foot in the rebuilt, one of two things happen. You give yourself credit for it, ego trip. Or you're still too focused on the rubble that you don't believe that this really happened, that you just, whatever, I don't know, I I, I don't know. But doing something and giving our life to Christ is saying, God, you have all the rubble. I created the rubble. They created the rubble. We created the rubble. But the reality is you can do something with the rubble. And anything that happens for me or to me or through me, you get the glory. God wants to do something remarkable in you so he can do something remarkable through you. So we have to give God all of you. We were praying about the location that we were going to have the church at in Columbus, and the Lord just made it so clear where the location needed to be. And when we went in, all of our staff was there, and I said, now pick apart, you know, the different things we've got to do to make this location work. And, you know, as we went through this process, you know, a couple were like, man, I don't know if this can work. And I felt something inside of me, and I just said, we got to make it work. It's going to work. And they put their heads together, and it's going to be awesome. We almost shoot ourselves in the foot before we ever get started because we tell ourselves this is rubble, or we're rubble, or they're rubble. But imagine what could happen if we would begin to say, God, take my rubble and rebuild it. And then God, make me about going back to rubble piles and letting you use me to rebuild. Putting yourself at the top of the food chain, you are too, and I am too small of a thing to make our life about me and you. The most fulfilled and happy and joyous people are not people that don't have rubble in their life, but are people that understand God can take away their rubble and they can understand that despite my rubble, I'm going to make my life about others. So not only can I experience dedication day where the choirs are on the top of the wall and everybody's in a good mood and the wall's built and everybody's marching around the city and the exiles have returned and Nehemiah's saying, man, this day is awesome. It's not so that so that all those things can happen. It's so that the people, check this out, it's so that people can say, God did this. Your life is to be a transparency that people can look at and say, God did that. Not you. Not me. So, I work at the bus barn. This lady comes up to me at the table and she says, Kyle 
there's a house in Pittsburgh and the roof's falling apart. Would your church be interested in helping fix it? And I said, yeah, sure. For some reason, I just thought, she goes to church, not here, but she goes somewhere else. I said, hey, I said, have you thought about taking this back to your church? She said, yeah, but you have to be a member there for people to, for them to help you. She said, once in the past, I tried to bring someone who was in a situation to church so that they would help them, and all they did was give them judgment. Because they don't see a redeemed wall, they see rubble. See, when God restores you, not only does he make you a redeemed wall, but he gives you a vision of other people not as rubble, as redeemed, as restored, as rebuilt. Church, my prayer is that we would get a vision for our community, that it would break your heart that someone you care about is not sitting next to you right now that it would break your heart that there's somebody underneath the overpass right now on 23rd Street that's strung out on drugs, that you would not see them as rubble, but you would see them as somebody who could be redeemed, that it would break your heart that there are people all around your neighborhood who need the hope of Jesus Christ. And you've given them over to rubble. They'll never change. But what would happen if God would change your thinking and say, they are redeemable. They are lovable. God has a plan for their life. That's what we want to see happen in our community. That's what we want to see happen at Flag. That's what we want to see happen at Countryside. That's what we want to see happen at the First Christian Church. That's what we want to ha- see happen at Live Track. That's what we want to see happen at the Catholic Church. That's what we want to happen see all around the world is for people, the church, to become the church, not go to church, to be the church and see lives restored. This is not a competition. It's about seeing Jesus proclaimed for him to get all the glory. Not some church, not some small group, not one prophet in the Bible. We hear of Moses, we hear of Nehemiah, we hear of Esther, we hear of Adam, we hear of Eve, we hear of all these people. But there's a reason when I say Jesus, it's a whole nother level. We were created in the image of God to bring glory to the image of God through Jesus, the Son of God. That's what we're doing here. That's what we want to see in Columbus. I want to celebrate today before we worship. We needed to, we're launching this church in February. If you're new this morning, we're launching another church in in, uh, February. We needed a location. Check. We needed a name check. But the most important part of this whole thing was we needed the right campus pastors. Pastors that would love on the people. Pastors that would move to Columbus. Pastors that would have a heart for small town. Pastors that were in love with Jesus. And church, today I get to share with you, we have found those pastors today. This is Sean 
And Brooke, this is Sean Elwood. This is Brooke Elwood. This is Jace. He's 10. This is Caston, who's eight. And Brax here is five. They are in love with the Lord. Sean's a youth pastor currently at Marshfield and has been feeling a call into church planning. They love rural town USA. And him and Brooke, she, this one here is a firecracker for the Lord. She's got a heart for Jesus. They drove through Columbus when we were talking to them and they want to live there and they are excited about what God's going to do there. And they are going to be coming here beginning in November and they're going to marinate in our culture for three months. And we will be sending them along with our hundred people to go and love on Columbus. Let's give God a hand. That is awesome. So pray for them. I know Sean and Brooke are going to be listening to this later. It's okay. I'm going to tell them to Facebook stalk you and Instagram stalk you. You can go out to their page if you want to and, and ask to be their friend or check out their photos. It'll tell you a lot about who they are. But pray for them. And let's stand together this morning. With our head bowed and eye closed, eyes closed today, maybe there's somebody in here this morning. You've, you want God to rebuild you. You want God to to give you an eyes for rebuilt and not rubble. Maybe there's someone in here today, you've been rebuilt, but you have a heart for somebody else who's rubble. And you just need God to give you fresh eyes again to see them rebuilt, not just rubble. And maybe there's some of us in here today that you've been looking at rubble and God's saying, shame on you. You need to see rebuilt. Maybe this morning, all of us, including myself, could just ask God to send us rubble and let God rebuild. But specifically today, maybe there's somebody listening online and all you see around you is rubble and and you need to know today that God wants to rebuild you and redeem you and restore you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want God to give you new eyes. If you want God to give you a new heart, if you want God to freshen your purpose, if you want God to help you to see what you need to see, not what you see, then simply pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I confess my sin of, tell him what it is. Could be a sin tangibly or intangibly. It could be bad thinking. Confess that to the Lord right now. Lord, hear their heart, hear their prayer. Would you pray along with me? God, would you take my rubble or their rubble rubble, and would you make a mosaic out of it? God, would you, would you make a beautiful picture? Would you take their pain and redeem it? Would you set captives free today? Lord, if there's anybody in here, anybody listening online that needs you in their life, Father, would they confess you with their mouth and believe in your heart, in their heart, that you are Lord? Lord, if there's somebody who invited you into the car of their life, but they need to let you drive, which is what getting a sanctified heart is all about, Father, would you help them to to pull over and get out of the car and let you drive the car 
And would they crawl in the back seat, Lord, and trust you to drive? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed one of those prayers, would you just slip your hand up real quickly? Amen. Lord, you see those hands. Father, thank you for who you are. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. Lord, as we close out today, may we truly surrender all. Amen. So church, this morning we're wrapping up the Do Something series. And this morning I'm going to ask you to pray about doing something today. Some of you know just from some Facebook posts that there's a, a, a family named Sanchez's and Tommy was a student in my youth group. And anyway, long story short, he, uh, we made contact and Tommy's been coming back to church the last few weeks and their house caught on fire this weekend and they lost everything. Um, I think they were renting the house. So the house isn't on them, but they don't have any clothes. They don't have anything. And we need to love on them, church. If you haven't been through the Be Generous series, that's what we're about is being generous. So I'm not going to make a big plea because I don't feel like we need to do that anymore. We get this culture here. I'm going to ask you today to market, whatever it is, cash, check, however you want to do it, market Tommy Sanchez. If you're listening online today and you'd like to help with Tommy, just go to our website, go to the Give tab, go down to the Benevolent subcategory, and you can give to that. We'll know what that's for. But church, I'm just asking you to give. And we're going to, this week, we're going to take all the money that God gave, not us, right? That God gave, and we're going to hand them that check so they can get what they need to get back on their feet. They need to know what the church looks like. Lord Jesus, today we give you praise and glory and honor for who you are. Father, we love you. Take our rubble and rebuild our lives and those around us. In Jesus' name, all the people said, amen. Have a great day. You can drop it in the offering boxes over there, over here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great Sunday.